I had her pegged for a lost cat commission. Most little old ladies who come straight in off the street were either looking for a cat or a husband, and this one didn't look like the type to lose a husband after she'd got a hold of him. I need your help, she said. Come on in and sit down, I said. We'll see what we can do. She was dressed all in black, her skirt so long that it almost trailed on the floor. The clothes were heavy, like thick velvet, and when she crossed a patch of sunlight coming through the window, she seemed no more than an empty black space. As she got closer, I could see she wasn't quite as old as I'd first taken her for. When she'd been standing at the door, she looked frail, even weak. But there was a light, a vitality in her eyes, and although her face was wrinkled, she still showed plenty of signs of having been a beauty in her younger days. Her eyes were bright blue and piercing, but she looked like she had been crying recently. The skin under the eyes was dark and puffy, and there were red rims showing. I motioned her to the chair across the desk from me. She was no more than four foot eleven tall in her flat black shoes, and my old sagging leather armchair threatened to engulf her. In fact, she sunk so far back into it that I had to give her a hand to sit forward when I offered her a cigarette. Her hand felt smooth and cool, and it slid in my palm as if it had been slightly greased. There was a strong smell coming from her. Mothballs and lavender. I guess the black velvet wasn't her usual daytime apparel. Thanks, son, she said, taking a cigarette as if it was a pill that might save her life. My man didn't I like me smoking. I've hardly touched the back here near on forty years, but I used to love a smoke. She wasted no time getting back into practice. I had barely lit her up before she was sucking away like an industrial strength vacuum cleaner. Only occasionally wisps of smoke appeared when she breathed out. The rest she somehow magically seemed to soak up. I was so rapt that I almost didn't notice when she started talking. Doug had been making a pretense of fiddling with some especially badly entangled cables, but he gave up as the old lady dumped her trouble on us. It came out in one long, agonized spiel. My son is now my son, she began, and there was a brief pause as she took another prodigious draw from the cigarette. I can't as soon as he spoke. It was like talking to a stranger, as if I wasn't anybody he knew. Oh, I know you'll think me a stupid old woman, but I can, my boy. And whoever I spoke to on the phone, it was nigh my way, John. I only rang him because his father died last week. The pair of them never got on, and they left the house when he was nineteen. He only came back to visit when he knew Tommy would not be there, and I motioned to Doug that he should get the coffee going. This was a Scotswoman of a certain age in full flow. Experience told me it could take a while. We were halfway through the first coffee and second cigarette, and we were still only on how wonderful the nurses in the hospital had been. She settled back in the chair and paused long enough to ask Doug if he had any biscuits. I took matters into my own hands. Excuse me, Mrs. Malcolm, Jesse Malcolm. I've gone back to my name, you see. After Tommy died, I decided— I jump in again. Mrs. Malcolm, what is it you want us to do for you? She looked exasperated, and I felt suddenly guilty, as if I'd been haranguing my granny. I'm trying to tell you if you'll just give me a chance. She took another cigarette from the pack I'd left on the seat of her chair and lit it from the butt of the last. Cancer. That's what took Tommy. Seventy years of God-fearing abstemious living. And look what it got him. Two months ago he found a lump under his left arm. Just a wee thing, not any bigger than a pea. He was nigh even going to tell the doctor, but when I saw it I knew what it was all right. The doctor hummed and hawed and sent him for tests. They opened him up in the hospital 
and shot him straight away again. It was downhill all the way from then. She looked up at me, heavy tears filling the bottom half of her eyes. He was now a bad man, and he tried to do his best for me. He did not deserve that much pain, no matter what he'd done in the past. At the end, all I could do was hold his hand and watch it eat him away. I spent more time at that hospital than anywhere else, trying to make things easier for him. In the end, the drugs did the job better than I could, and they just slipped away. A wee smile on his face, as if he'd heard some private joke. The nurses let me spend an hour with him after he passed on. Then I went to phone the boy. The only address we had for him was in a hotel in Portree. It took me three goes to get through, and then it took ages for them to find him. I could hear the lassies shouting his name across the bar. It's just as well Tommy passed away. The thought of John in a public bar would have killed him anyway. I remember the time I had to jump in again. Any sentences that started with those four words had to be nipped in the bud quickly before they spread. Mrs. Malcolm, I said. She waved her cigarette at me. A small snowfall of ash spread across the black velvet. Bugger, she said, and it was as shocking as a fart in church. I'll never get that out, and I had to clean specially. Twenty-five pounds the cleaner took. I would have washed it in the bath if I'd known it would cost that much. Now, when I was a lassie, Mrs. Malcolm, I said again, and this time I let some of my exasperation show. Okay, okay, and it's me's Malcolm. I'm not married anymore. I just told your horses we're getting there.